when you get there to think, do I belong here? What am I doing here? More now. Totally out of my own future. But you quickly learn that when you start to have conversations with people, that you've got something in common. I wanted to make sure there's still a future, so all the trails still. I like the idea of taking that first step. I have this idea that the kids these days need to do X, you know, or this uh, one kid in my class can't do Z, and I'm going to make a whole course to make sure it's easy. Uh, whether you're taking this Welcome to EdTrex Rewind. Welcome back to another episode of the EdTrex Podcast. I'm Quinn Henderson. I'm Matt Winters. It's good to be back, Matt. I know. It's been a while. I, we keep doing this, right? We, we have these doing, breaks yeah. that... Uh, then we come back together and we spend the first hour and a half just catching yeah, up. Yeah, because we're, we're such busy people and we're just like, let's just figure out where we're at. <laughs> and then we start talking about the things that matter, which is good. Right. Well, it gives us some episode ideas. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, during our conversation over the last hour or so, one of those was talking about ideas and where they come from yeah. and how we get new ideas into the district. Really, that flow of yeah. ideas well and it's such an important idea like the so like i remember being a first year teacher like i'm, I'm talking about my college education background like I, my first class i taught i didn't quite know what i was doing i had a curriculum in front of me and i had a few suggestions from a few veteran teachers but really i was i there's no one standing over my shoulder that i had to figure it out and i was so hungry for new ideas how could i do this what would work, what wouldn't work. And I remember just looking through textbook after textbook after textbook, thinking, oh, I'm going to go find all these different ideas in there. And really where it came from was communication with others. That's where my best ideas came from. And so even from day one, I was like, I got to find a community that's going to support me having a good grasp on what ideas are out there on my subject matter. I think it's really interesting that you say, you know, your first day, your first teaching experience, here you have what you need to teach them, but there are all of these things running through your mind and where you've got to go to get some ideas. And I think for most new teachers, it's the classroom next door. Mm -hmm. It's the teacher in their department. Um, And it really is going to depend on that first person or first people that they connect with in their building on whether or not they're excited to bring back those ideas. Yeah, and it's also having the confidence to go talk to that person and being able to see if they're actually willing to say something that will help you. I remember, so like, I had a great mentor teacher in my college experience or going going through it, and he loved playing rock music at the beginning of every class. So he'd always have a song related to the content, and I was like, this is cool. Like, I'm a music guy, I'm going to jump into this. And so I started doing that as well, and it led to some really cool conversations in my classroom but then when I got into K-12, that was weird to do. And so I was always looking for a way to hook the students in. So I had never done bell work in class, and the teacher next door did, and I asked her how she did it, and it worked out. And still to this day, I do it similarly. Not completely, but enough to where you can see the origins back to that person, which is really cool. So what happens, though, for those teachers that, that go next door and say, I need some ideas, that have the confidence, first of all, Right, you graduate from school, yeah. you get hired, and you're going. I should know this. I just graduated from school. I yeah. should know how to do this, but that's not the case. So you do get the confidence. You go ask for some help, but maybe that person says, "Oh, don't, don't worry. Just, just go do this," and you're almost deflated or discouraged. Yeah. Then what? 
Yeah, and that's the, and that's kind of where my experience went. I think for you as well. For I think for a lot of people, it's that they realized that um, I saw a great teacher of the year. Um, it was an NCTE teacher of the year, and her name escapes me. But she spoke at a conference I went to, and I I was so struck by her, how she did her lesson plans, and I was like, how do you have the community at your school to build these things? I asked her one on one. She said, I don't. I go out and meet people from my digital community or farther abroad. And so that really opened me up three years ago to going, okay, if I don't have a person in my building next door, I'm not saying that I work with any bad teachers. I, I never have. But sometimes a teacher across the hall, even if they're open to talking to you, doesn't have the thing you need. And they they might not even be willing to share sometimes. Yes, as 100%. sad as that is. Yeah. That's one of the hardest things is like, and this is something you and I have talked about extensively personally, but I think also a couple of times on the podcast, we're in a profession where sharing is essential. Well, that's, that's really what your job is. Yeah. As a teacher, you share. Yeah. I've always thought about the quandary of like, if we were telepathic as a, like as a, as a humanity were telepathic, education wouldn't exist anymore. Oh no. Because we could de- 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 demonstrate exactly what you needed to do just by thought. Yeah. Um, and so what we're really trying to get across is sharing our thoughts and ideas and what's happening in the world about this particular idea with another person. Well, what an interesting concept to explore if we were telepathic. Yeah, right? yeah, let's pause but, for a second. So now, now my idea is like, uh, my mind's racing right now. Well, how do you create almost this telepathic network that exists? We have it. You can put your ideas online or your knowledge online and people can have access to it. It's not that instant transfer like you would have in telepathy, <laughs> right? But we have that already. So how do you, how do you encourage people to, to put it out there? And then how do you get people to go look for it or find it well i think okay let's start with i mean i'm not i don't know that you need to answer that or we can answer that but i I think we can i think at least to some degree i think the second question is a more interesting one though how do we get people to want to go look i think it's not something that we can encourage like we can ask and we can encourage but i don't think that's where it explicitly comes from i think when people especially in this day and age and i see this with my young students right now they get frustrated with something that's like caught like if they get somewhat somewhat frustrated not to the point where they shut down but they're frustrated they go online they look on twitter they look on social media they look on youtube they hit websites they try and figure out the question for themselves because the information is there and i think that little juncture point between frustration with one's position and the desire to understand one's position or one's another person's idea is a really interesting intersection in education that if we can exploit and like fatten and ex- excite like everyone about it, we all of a sudden have a much more interesting paradigm of sharing and structural work. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, and so beyond going, you know, even next door within your school, when, we, when we're saying flow of ideas, you know, what are what are the other ways people need to go out there to get ideas flowing to them? Yeah. You know, so they're they're inspired or sparked. I mean, what are the other ways that come to mind for you? For well, yeah, so many, man. Like I, I think um, you've got to be switched on. And I think if you're a good teacher, you're or a good person who works in education. I shouldn't just say teachers. If you're good at education, you're switched on to want to go and explore and be curious. We've talked about natural curiosity before on the podcast. Oh yeah, um, extensively, but. If you're already switched on, then there's so many different ways that you could explore and see what is the answer to 
my question or in this case for teachers and for admin and for people who work in education how do I better my situation in the classroom or my school or my district or my state or my country or even globally well so that 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 is another question is you have the individual and you have the teacher Right. And the curiosity should drive us more than anything to go discover new ideas and new ways. Hopefully that's the case, but not always the case. Right. There are teachers out there that are, are waiting for their leadership in their building, the leadership in their district to help inject some ideas. Right. Yeah. That's another direction the ideas are going to flow. And so, you know, what are the things that our districts are doing now? Are, are districts and schools independent, public, charter, are they doing a good job of? bringing in ideas from multiple sources or are they just really kind of internal waiting for it? I mean, are they active or they're proactive, reactive? I mean, there are a lot of ways to probably slice this up. I think you're asking some great questions. <laughs> I mean, yeah, are, are, answer are, them all now. I know. Man. I, well, we well, it's, hard to, it's hard to answer them though. <laughs> like legitimately, I, I, I would like to say yes, but I think the answer is closer to no. And, but mm-hmm. it's also case by case by case. I think about neighboring districts and, you know, districts I've had influence with and talked to and kind of discuss things with. And it does feel a little bit like everyone's kind of recycling things that were older, that they were, that worked or didn't work and they want to try again, but there's no follow through with them. So they don't really get to where they need to be. And then vice versa. There's the problem of like, they don't bring in anything new to get people really excited about what's going on or they bring in the thing that's new and they plop it on the table, and then it just rots there. Like nobody really yeah. takes partakes of it. Well, I, your recycling statement, I think that's really interesting. Um, and what makes it interesting to me is almost like the, the same thing that, that sometimes teachers, you find teachers, veteran teachers do, is they go back to when they were in school or when they first started teaching, right? And so they're kind of just recycling those ideas all the time when really they're not benefiting the students. And sometimes those teachers go on to become leaders within the school or within the district. And so sometimes they naturally fall into that rhythm of, I'm going to recycle this. This is what I was taught when I was a young teacher by the district. So I'm going to do that. Right. And so breaking that cycle is important. And then that, that led to really your second point of outside of the district, bringing those new ideas in so people are inspired. But that new thing that's new that you plop on the table, if you don't put that on the table right, it's going to look like, I'm just thinking of a meal. <laughs> when you say that's table, plop it on a table, it's going to be completely disgusting and say, you expect me to eat this. Well, I was just thinking about like a brand new, like nice turkey. Let's go with Christmas here because we're recording around that same time. Like I'm, I'm thinking a big giant turkey. If nobody wants turkey or nobody understands what turkey is and how good it can be, then who's going to partake of it? Mm-hmm. Maybe a few people, it's going to get nibbled on. Well, those, those, those people, they're like, I'm, I'm interested, I'm curious. They're going to go take a bite. You know, but those aren't the people that you really needed to move to begin with. Yeah. You know, the people that are out there willing to take a bite and try something. It's the people that are really hesitant. It's like, I'm not sure. I'm on the fence. Yeah. Which way do I go? So, but I, so the presentation of ideas is important, but we, we've talked about this and we were talking a little bit about before we even started this episode is almost that balance of ideas of where they come from. Yeah. You know, you have districts and schools that, that spend so much time thinking about, we need to generate all of our ideas and our, our, the whole flow of things internally. 
And then you probably have some on the extreme opposite side that are saying internal, external, 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 mm -hmm. right? So there are benefits to both, but at the same time, you're, you're, if you go too far one way and you say we're completely internal, then essentially those ideas become stale. And I think that's where you run into that recycling problem. Well, you're running, running a problematic issue either direction with being stale. On one hand, you, you could, I've heard this said in a lot of districts that I've, I've gone and seen is there, you know, somebody new comes in, it's a speaker, evaluator, program person, whatever it is, and they present their idea and then it's easy to say, well, that's good for them. Mm -hmm. They have that whatever situation over there. On the flip side, if you have somebody who's been presenting the same idea again and again and again inside the district or inside the school, then that person can be labeled as, oh, that's the only thing they know. It's a broken record. It's a broken record. Mm -hmm. Who cares about what they're saying? Like the one I always think about is, and I've heard this said so many times, I've heard this said so many times, um, I think it's one of the most dangerous phrases, especially with maybe seasoned teachers that get out of the classroom and go and do admin work or uh, district work or things like that. Um, they say the words, this worked when I was a teacher. Mm -hmm. And that right there is so dangerous because, yeah, it might have worked when you were there, but it doesn't work for the new teacher, for their situation, for their classroom. It might not work with their students, and it might not work with how education is being run now. And unfortunately, we hear that too often. And so, again, the, the idea of any of those spectrums, however you want to look at it, all of those ideas are really easy to say, to ignore and push aside. Yeah, so when we were in that broken record situation and teachers are saying that this worked when I was a teacher, right, or they're leading other teachers, yeah. um, I think a lot of teachers tune out, right? Um, I think that that shuts them down. But really, how, how can you rephrase that? To me, I, the first thing I think of is like, here's something I did when I was a teacher. You know, how might we adapt this to today's student or to what you're doing in the classroom? Let's see what we can take about what the concepts behind that that made that successful and see how they apply today. Yeah. Yeah, we're distracted a little bit by the clock. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, going along with that, like I think about teachers who struggle in schools. There's going to be a certain percentage of those, those that particular kind of spread of teachers who no matter what you tell them, they're willing to try that thing. And that can be dangerous as well. So like a, a mentor or a, a fellow teacher or a principal comes in and says, hey, try this with this class they're going to be so desperate to try that that they don't really consider what's going on. So sometimes you have the exact opposite effect of what we're talking about. Instead of it being stale, every, somebody's grabbing on to everything non -stop. that comes through. New idea. And it becomes the collage effect of like, I'm looking at your classroom and I'm seeing 90 different things mm -hmm. instead of a cohesive vision of what your classroom should be. Well, and I think you said it right there, the cohesive vision. Yeah. Right? So even if you have that broken record in the district that keeps talking about the same thing and people are probably tuning out, What's the outside thing that you could probably bring in that would reinforce that and help paint the picture, but still is tied to the vision? And then if you're the opposite side, so if you're always bringing out the external things, what's the internal messages that you have that kind of anchor that and bring it all together? And so I think that's really where, where we're going or where we're ending up is this balance of where those ideas come from and then how they're supported within the district. Well, I think that's... Or school. In school or, or where... Organization, or whatever. Organization, yeah. And what you're saying there is this, this idea of a cohesive vision is so delicate yet important mm -hmm. to everything that's going on. You can't just put it behind a slogan. <laughs> we well, maybe a whole episode on slogans <laughs> and visions. Agree. 
because uh, sloganeering I mean you go back to Radiohead that was 20 years ago how they came out with that song I mean it's it's the the garbage that our our vision is a couple of words long it's that you can't it's not it, and too often do I see schools doing that sort of thing like we're gonna have three words and they're gonna define our school and our vision of where school will be well I'm sorry that doesn't tell me anything about your curriculum model that doesn't tell me anything about your technology model that doesn't tell me anything about your professional development, uh, about your counseling, your SEL, about anything else that would actually really make a difference with students and how they perceive the world around them. And a cohesive vision means that you have a vision in the first place and it's a document, it's a long form. You have specific goals that you wanna meet over the next five to 10 years. And then on top of that, everyone is on the same page and has bought into what that vision is. Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah, so even, People can buy into a vision, but all of your actions after that, you know, if you're holding a a training, if you're talking in a meeting, you've got a decision to make, you're managing a budget, whatever it is, it goes back to that vision. It's like, how does this support our vision? Um, And if it doesn't, is it really worth it? You know, or or do we really need to look at something else that does support our vision more? Yeah, and And, that's, that's where the beauty of like having outside people come in, because if you say... We have a specific vision. Let's say, let's just go with the example of technology. We want every student to be a 21st century learner by having, um, using Google in their classroom, mm-hmm. Google Suite. Cool. If you can bring in an a, a outside person, a team or a speaker that is reinforcing, excuse me, the beauty of Google and how it can actually impact student learning and interesting ways of doing that. Or even if it's somebody who's not even on Google, but they're talking about the importance of collaboration, design, rethinking what you're doing in your structure in your class. That can be really powerful as well. But if you don't have that vision there, you can't bring in an outside person that will reinforce that. You're just bringing in an outside person to bring in an outside person. And that can be hugely problematic. Well, right, because the people that are sitting there are going, why is this person here? What are they doing? What's the purpose? But in reality, if you can create that moment too where they're going, I'm so excited they're bringing in this person because I, it's going to be helpful with what we've been talking about for this and that. It's going to bring clarity to this and I'm going to have more tools and more resources that are going to help me with the goals that I've set related to our vision, our strategic plan or whatever it is. That's that's more engaging and exciting. So that, that brings this question um, to you. You got some great questions today, by the way. I'm on the question mode today, yeah, so good. it's like I I'm like interviewing it. you. And I'm, like, I'm kind of on the, the answer mode. Here, yeah, so you, can, you can you can play that role today. <laughs> but when are you more excited by new ideas that come from inside or outside your organization? I'll be honest, outside. Why? Because it's it seems fresher. It gives it it. it gives me an ability to say, okay, this might be something that's a nationwide trend. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, a lot of the speakers I've seen outside my, my organization have had, or even outside my state, they might have more better data or more data to support that learning goal or whatever it is um, and that technique. Um, and then on top of that, there's just kind of a cool factor sometimes too. Like, oh, wow, we got this one person. That's that's cool. And they've got some great things to say. Oh, wow, I, I want to listen to this person. Yeah, well, even to answer my own question, um, I get excited by out, outside ideas. But I think it's for a different reason. Yeah. I think in some situations that I've been in in the past that 
I'm kind of skeptical of the inside ideas. Yeah. And so sometimes I'm wondering, is, is there a different motive here if I don't see a clear connection to what it is? Why are they doing this? And especially if that isn't clear, then I'm already distracted from trying to really grab to whatever idea it is. Yeah. And so when I'm going outside, and most of the time that's on my own, um, I go out outside for ideas, I think I'm more in tune, if that makes sense. No, I agree. I, there's this weird thing that happened around like the turn of the century where communication theory like sprung its way into like higher ed and the the big thing that came out of it was groupthink. and so you got a lot i at least when i was in the middle of the ten the, the knots i guess is what we call them now the zeros like 2006 the 2007 you yeah, had um when i was in college i was i was confronted in multiple classes not just a communications course but an english class I think I was in a science class, a math class about groupthink and getting diversity of ideas. And I think there, there's a whole generation of us post probably 90s that went to college and we were shown this idea of don't just listen to what the group says, listen to what the outside world is saying and really pay attention to what's happening with it. And then bring that back to the group so that you don't say the same thing again and again and again. Well, yeah, I, I really, that really resonates um, with me, that whole idea of groupthink, what an interesting thing to explore. And you find that a lot in education is that, you know, they went to school, they became teachers, they became leaders, they became district or school leaders at that point, and that's where all the ideas came from. So I think that's one of the dangers of saying, keeping it all internal, because you're talking about ideas that all come from really the same very narrow path, when really something else outside might really be able to bring a new perspective and be able to really take things to another level i love like because we yeah we live in utah and so we We do yeah this news (laughs) um so we only have a few major universities here but i love talking to people who are from other universities in other states because there's so many people that graduated from the universities here and I get their same perspective because I have, I went through that from their perspective. Right. But when I meet somebody from Johns Hopkins or Harvard or NYU or, you know, somewhere in California, like Stanford, my brain goes, Oh, I'm going to listen to this person a little bit more because not because they're probably smarter than I am. Although that might be true. Uh, it's more that they might have a different perspective on the same thing that I learned about because they had a different set of teachers than the people that I'm around had. Ooh, I like how you say that. They had a different set of teachers. What a great perspective to have it. And if you think about, regardless if you're in education or not, conversations that you have, they had, you can look at it, whether you're in politics, whether you're running a private company, whether you're in a school, whether you run a small business, just to understand the people that are around you, they had a different set of teachers. They were shaped in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that led to completely different experiences. But there's something to learn there. But there's ideas to be had, I guess you could even say. Yeah. And so that should hopefully tune you in to say, there's going to be a nugget here that might apply or solve a problem that I'm having or inspire me to do something different or fix that problem in the classroom that mm-hmm. the teacher next door couldn't fix. Yeah. Right. But like always, we haven't really fixed too many things. This no, time. we, we have haven't. too many questions. <laughs> we 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 don't. If we fix things in podcasts, people might quit listening because it just yeah. be yeah. We gotta tease them. It's just like next week. But we're not the best ones to fix it. 
No, no, uh, people, are. people that listen, everybody that listens um, to the podcast, we all are. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Share your ideas. Yeah. At Teacher Winners. At Q Henderson. Let's talk sometime. Let's fix some issues. Yeah, I like that sign off. Let's talk sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. All right, till next time. Thanks. This has been Ed Tricks Rewind. I'm Matt Winters. I'm Quinn Henderson. We'll see you next time. See you.